Praise God. Hallelujah. How many of you have your Bibles? Amen. See, we've, we've kind of been spoiled. We need to have our, our, our sword with us when yes. we come to church. It, it, it's because when we walk out in the yard, people will look at us and say, well, I know they're not going down to the pool hall or whatever, but they're going to church because they got their Bible. Yeah. Amen? Amen? Amen. Praise God. Amen. I uh, want you to go with me to Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5. Let me get this all situated. need a wider pulpit or thinner <laughs> notes. <laughs> Praise God. I want you to go to Acts chapter 5. And I want you to go to verse 12. We're looking at the beginning of the church tonight. Uh, there's something that we need to understand. They didn't automatically just do away with the sacrifices and just go right into the, the new uh, covenant that uh, the Lord had made with them and all this. But we come and we realize that they had to start from scratch. And so it just says that uh, in verse 12, it says that the apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people. All right, Jesus spent three and a half years pouring his very life, letting them watch him as he ministered to the people, as he loved the people, as he reached out to the people. And so the apostles are the ones that start the church. They're the foundation. They didn't have the NIV. They didn't have the New Testament yet. And so the Holy Spirit is through the apostles. He's teaching them. He's leading them. He's recalling to their minds the things that Jesus spoke to them while he was on earth with them. Amen. And so it says that the apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people. And all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number as a result. People brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow... Now, I want you to think a minute about Peter. Peter was the one that he wasn't the... the uh, the top disciple or the apostle. He went through life. He had struggles. He, he was just learning how, and, and God loved him. And so we see that at the beginning of the church, Peter is the spokesman. He is the leader of the church, and it will change in a while, but he still has the ups and downs and all of these things. And it's, it's interesting because... Back at the beginning of chapter 5, it says, Now a man named Ananias and his wife Sapphira, they sold some property and they wanted to 
do this because they wanted to have this big reputation like Barnabas had and, and all of this. And so uh, Peter just says to him, he says, Ananias, how is it that Satan has built your heart? In other words, the Holy Spirit is speaking to Peter and he's saying, look, there's some stuff going on here and this is the beginning of the church and we can't have this in the church so I'm going to deal with it but it's going to be dealt with them through you. Yeah. And so that's one thing that we need to understand is that Jesus is the head of the church. Amen. And we're the body Amen. Of, the, of, of the church. And we are the church. And so it's the head and we're connected with the body. And so everything that the Lord is going to do now at this beginning of the church age is that he's going to use people imperfect people Amen. like Peter. Yes. The only thing that he had going for him was that, well, two things. He had spent three and a half years with the Lord Jesus Christ and he was at the in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. And so we see that these miracles and things like this were going on. And so Ananias and Sapphira are struck dead where they are worshiping. Yeah. And so this, that's why it says, you know, that, uh, that no one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. But nevertheless, more and more women, men and women, believed in the Lord and were added to the number as a result. And then we see that God is using Peter powerfully. Yes. I mean, it's, it's just like this. The shadow of Peter, as it passed the people that were on the streets and on the sidewalks or whatever they had back then, that the very shadow yes. of Peter, they were receiving healings. They were being, if they had demons, they were cast out of just by yes. Peter, Peter, the imperfect yes. Peter, Peter, yes. the one that messed up, the one that always put his foot in yes. his mouth yes. and, and all of these things. God uses us yes. despite the shortcomings and he works in our life to fulfill what he's going to do. Amen. So we come and we look at it and it's just this, that uh, Peter before Pentecost, had no idea what God was going to do in his life. That's true. And it's, it's like uh, with, uh, we see that the miracle working power of God was very dominant in his life. He was the first, the leader of the church, and God used him to accomplish that that he had called him to do. So we look at this, the shadow of a man. Yes. All right, I want us to just for a moment kind of look in the mirror and remember what we look like because we are the shadows of Christ. God is using us. Whatever he has called you to do, he may he'll start out easy with you and all of that, but he will he will just work in your lives until you come into that that he wants you to accomplish in the church. Amen. And so we we look at Peter. He's this 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 man that has this shadow 
uh, it's kind of like, have you ever kind of had a, a, a lamp behind you and all the other lights were out in the room and you start walking away and you see that your shadow is ahead of you and it's huge. Yeah. The other night I do journeys in the, the night and I was headed to the room and man, I mean, this I was huge. And I went in and turned the light on in that room and I saw what was in that mirror. It scared the daylight out of me. I said, good night, that guy's in here too. Anyway, that, you know, that uh, was probably a joke or whatever. But it, it talks about the shadow. You see, we, we look at uh, the moon lights up the night but it has no light of its own. It's just a reflector. Amen. And it reflects the light of the sun. Right. Do we? And that's something that we need to look at because there are some issues facing Oklahoma as I stand here in the pulpit that we need to know what God has called us to do. We found out in one of the messages I preached here a while back, Occupy till I come. So how are we to occupy? What are we supposed to do? And, and all of these things going on, what, what, what am I going to accomplish? How can I accomplish these things that, that God wants me to do? We need to understand that Scripture says we are not to be conformed to this world, Amen. but we are to be transformed into the image of God, transformed by the renewing of our mind. Yet, if we really took a poll, you know, throughout Tulsa County or whatever, and we would say, you know, how much scripture do you, you know, read every day? Do, do you have a, a specific study time? Or uh, what is your uh, take on scripture? And, and uh, what, what is it meaning in your life? And I promise you that when we transform and renew our minds with the Scripture, with the things of God and what He wants us to do, that we can look, we can watch, we can see what's, what's happening in our state, in our country, and we can go and we can just say, all right, Lord, those gifts that you have given the church, us, that we need to put them into operation. Amen. Occupy till I come. Amen. There are some crazy things happening. And so if you wanted to tonight, I can put it in a nutshell for you. The things that are going on in the lives of the American people. And you know, I can put it in a nutshell because that's exactly where it needs to be in a nutshell. Because it's nuts. It's crazy. I mean, I have never, I never, you know, I've heard of vain imagination. But I, I had that theory blown way out, way out of proportion. And so we, as we look at Scripture and we renew our minds with Scripture and what we're to accomplish and do here, one of the things that we're going to find out as we watch them trying to transition America into a socialism type uh, whatever you want to call it, uh, it does not say in Scripture to the state 
train up my child in the way he should go, and they won't depart from it. That's our responsibility. Amen. And so it is time that we, the church, that we awaken. You see, we need a great awakening, and then when we have the great awakening, then we can have the revival that is so needed in our lives. Amen. One of the things that I have found out in my life is that we will not defeat Satan in combat unless we have a foundation, a, a deep foundation of God's Word, and we act upon it. Amen. You know, we have, we have heard for a long time, you know, all you got to do is know the truth, and the truth will set you free. No. You need to know the truth. Know it will set you free, but you have to act upon it. And so that's what the Lord is uh, awakening to the church, and He's saying, all right, there are some things that need to take place. Yeah. And one of the most powerful things is over, I didn't even put this on the screen, but Matthew 18, 18, it just says, whatsoever things you refuse to be permitted on earth will be refused to be permitted in heaven. Where two or three gather in my name, he says, I will be in their midst Amen. and I will accomplish that that I have called you all yes. to do, that I have equipped you to do. Amen. And it, it's interesting that as we study Acts, I, I challenge you, study for the next two or three, four weeks. Just just start at Acts 1 and go all the way through and, and watch the progression of the church. And uh, we see that uh, the, si the signs and the wonders, they were done by the apostles laying hands on the people. Yeah. See, that's one thing that the government is trying to restrict. They don't want us touching. They don't want us to uh, come together. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. They don't want that. Satan fears that more yes, than does. anything, that when a group of God's people called by His name, when they get together and the ministry gifts start manifesting themselves, we have the enemy on the run and that's what we're supposed to do yes. we go into chapter 6 of Acts and it talks about deacons because the church was growing at such a fast pace that they needed deacons and so there was seven of them and now we watch this progression it, it started with just the apostles but it, it, the, the requirements for a deacon was Number one, the most important thing was not if they owned a business, not if they had money, not if they were just, you know, alive, because I've pastored some churches, but we won't go into that. But anyway, it, it's just that we need to realize the number one thing was to be full yes. of the Holy Spirit Amen. and of a good report. Amen. And as we watch Stephen and those other uh, the, the deacons, as they come into the picture and, and God starts working in their lives, we see that it's going out from the apostles, it's going into the deacons, and pretty soon it's going to get into the church and we're going to be out there doing what God has called us. Because there was one thing that happened. At the right before Jesus leaves, he says, This is the Great Commission. I want you to go into all the world 
all the world, and I want you to teach and to preach, to baptize, to do all of these things. I want you to do that. Yes. And so there was such a great outpouring of the Spirit that guess what? They didn't do it. They stayed in Jerusalem. Yeah. Now, hey man, we're having we're having excitement. We're having great services. Why in the world would we want to go out into the other parts of the world? Because you know, I still, I, 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 you know, I have problems with racism and, and stuff like that. And as you read through Acts, you'll find it. It's very prevalent there. Mm-hmm. And but he's working in their lives, and so God starts opening up different avenues to that they can start ministering to. And how how many of you know that there were two Pentecost? Anybody know that? Come on. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good or <laughs> out talk me. Come on. Were there two Pentecost? Somebody out in radio land, <laughs> uh, telephone land, whatever, cell phone land. There were two Pentecosts. On the day of Pentecost, the Jewish people received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And so the instruction is that I want you to wait in Jerusalem until you be endued on high with this power that the Father has promised. And so here we go. But we're having such a good time. We're having services. You know, I'm not, this this powerful. I, I need this and all that. But anyway, God is working. And as they, they watch the transition from apostles to, uh, and apostles still have the, you know, the gifts and the healing and all that, signs and wonders and all but we look at it, and now the deacons are going out, and there's a couple of miraculous events that happen with Peter. And who was the other guy? Well, who was the other deacon that uh, the ministered to the Ethiopian? Uh, Philip. Philip. Okay, yeah. Philip. He was translated. I mean, you yeah. talk about that. That's powerful. There, uh, we heard our pastor talk about. He got in the middle of some traffic. He was probably saying, "Lord, you know, does that still work? Can can I be translated? I need to, you know, get over there and, and get to church and all that stuff." But when change happens, something else happens. Yeah. Problems, challenges come. Yes. Brings confrontation, and so. Peter, the leader of the group right now, of the, of the Christian church, uh, he's up on the housetop, and he has a dream, or a vision, whatever you want to call it. And, and the Lord shows him this sheet comes down out of heaven, and it's got all these different kinds of, uh, well, you, you just need to read it for yourself. Google it, whatever. <laughs> but, it's, but it's in Acts, okay. So we look at it. And uh, so Peter argues with God. He said, no, this, I, I've never eaten anything that's unclean. Yeah. And God said, anything that I made is not unclean now. Yeah. There is transition. There is change happening. Amen. It's not like it used to be. There's a brand new covenant, a more, more exciting, a better covenant. And so, uh, you know, Peter goes to Cornelius' house 
And this, this is neat. This is what I want to happen to me. That while I'm preaching, the Holy Spirit just moves in yeah. and takes over the service. And, and I don't have to finish it because we're all in the midst of God's presence. And that's exciting. Amen. And so he's there. He goes with the uh, two servants that were sent. He goes to Cornelius' house. The Cornelius and his family's there. And uh, Peter's starts talking about what's going on and the Holy Spirit falls on them. And it's just the same way that he fell on the Jewish believers. And let me tell you, Peter's not excited. Man, I've got, I've got to rush back. He stayed a few more days and they had revival there at Cornelius's house in that, in that village. And so anyway, because Peter knows something's going to happen when he gets back to Jerusalem. Yes. <laughs> and it's interesting that the head of the church, the, uh, the other apostles, uh, they hear you know, they didn't have cell phones, telegraph, anything like that. But they heard that Peter had gone in and had eaten and fellowshiped with the Gentiles. Yeah. And so they can't hardly wait for Peter to get back in Jerusalem because they're fixing to have a council meeting right away. And so they, they call Peter in. And so all he can do is just tell him what happened. And this is exciting because he tells them, he says that it happened to Cornelius's household just like it happened to the 120 in the upper room. Yeah. You can't deny it. Yes, amen. And so, I mean, the church is just, I mean, growing by leaps and bounds. The Gentiles are included. And we come a long way since then. So we come to today. How am I to occupy? Do I occupy? What, what are you talking about? So we need to go to uh, Romans chapter 12. Verse 1. It says, Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagan somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Then we drop down and it says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. Yeah. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of workings, but in all of them, and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Amen. And so we need to just look at it like this. We, for a long time, we knew that if Reverend Shambach showed up someplace in Dallas or in Texas or Oklahoma, that there was going to be a mighty move of God. And so everything that happened was, I mean, it was around Reverend Shambach. Yeah. And that was during the revival era, the healing era, and all that. And it was so powerful. People would come from miles around it, I think mainly just to see him place that big old 13-size shoe on the altar. And I mean, he speaks right into the devil's face and he confronts the sins of, of their time and all of that. And I mean, they had church. Why? 
because they knew if Shambach had the microphone that there was going to be church. And so we watched that, and so soon the healing revival, it kind of it kind of steals out. And, and we're wondering, you know, why, and this question has been asked many times over the years, why are there more healings taking place in other countries than in our own country? And all we have to do is go back to that mirror that scared me the other morning, and just say, it's us. That's right. It's me, oh Lord. Something has happened. There is a, a, a coolness that has settled in. And, yes. and we need to understand that the gifts of the Spirit are for the church. Amen. But I want you for a moment just to think, you know what? How many miracles took place under the colonnade Solomon's colonnade. How many of those miracles took place in the synagogue? Most of the miracles of the New Testament happened out on just everyday occurrences in people's houses. You know why? Because people were getting together and they would break bread and they would fellowship. And I mean, you know, we wasn't afraid that we were going to be canceled or anything like that. We just loved the Lord with all our heart and we shared it with yes. those around us and we enjoyed the Christian life. Yes, amen. But still the enemy was slick enough where he could come in and he could start kind of stealing our joy. Because he really wasn't after our joy. He's after our faith. That's if right. he can get our faith, he's, he's got us on the run. Amen. And so we look at this. And it says, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge. Now, I want you to go. I don't even know if I included this. I probably didn't, but I want you to go to 1 Corinthians. No, that is 1 Corinthians. Where did I think I was? You thought you were in Rome. Oh, well, yeah. Okay, yeah, this is the one because there's another, there's another passage of scriptures, and it says, To one there is given through the Spirit... A message of wisdom. If there's ever a time that we need wisdom, like tonight up here behind the pulpit, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit. And I want you for just a moment, you remember back when I was preaching and teaching on the, the kingdom of God? It was when God shows up, He doesn't show up looking like God. He shows up looking like us. Because everything that He's going to do, He is going to bring into the fullness of the Word of God that is here, that He's going to bring it to us and do it through us. Amen. And so there is a time that there has to be that great awakening and we're watching it and we're seeing things that have never confronted America like it has confronted them today. And so we really 
need the gifts of the Spirit. Amen. Says to another, miraculous powers. Let me tell you, it needs to get, first off, it needs to get the attention of the church again because we really haven't seen that much. Then it says to another, prophecy. Oh, we want prophecy, but we want it to be, you know, that, that stuff that has happened, we want it to go back to the way it was in 2016 through 2020. No, we don't. Look what happened yeah. in the church. We got cold. We had depended upon. We don't. It wasn't that much on, on you know the evangelist or the prophets or apostles or whatever. But it was because who we had in the White House, and that's not what God had intention for the church and for us and for the world. And so it goes on. It says, "Prophesy to me," you know. Then it goes on, it says, to another one, or to another, distinguishing between spirits. Hmm. Discernment. Yeah. If we have ever needed discernment, Pastor, yeah. it is, it's now. That's, that's we right. have got to have that gift. And all we have to do, it said, Paul encourages us. He said, ask. Ask God. And, and, and we need that because there's a lot of stuff that's being spoken in the church that really isn't what God has really said. And so if you want to be popular, if you want to be in the, the mega churches and all that, you've got to have a great following and all this. But he just says to another, the distinguishing between spirits, to another, speaking in tongues, different kinds of tongues. And see, we have even divided ourselves Denomination against denomination saying, you know, well, tongues is of the devil and, and all, of, all of these things are going on. And it's, it ought not be. Right. Amen. It ought not be. Speaking in different kinds of tongues and still to another, the interpretation of tongues. And it says, all these are the work of one and the same Spirit as He distributes them to each one Yes. Just as he determines. Sometimes I've watched over the years when I was just going into ministry. We we went to this town in in uh, Texas, and there was a lady there. She was a sweet lady. She loved the Lord, but she wasn't real faithful. And so every time a tongue or an interpretation was given. It was by this lady who wasn't faithful in her attendance. And I'm saying, God, this, this is not right. And I didn't hear him, but he would probably say, and who are you to tell me this ain't right? And so there's one thing that over the years I have learned. If God has given you, which he has, the different gifts as he determines, that we can come and we know this for sure. That is not because of how much we love God. That's right. You know, we, we look we look at people and, and how how can how can you use him, Lord? How can you use her? You know. And it's not that. It's this. Yes. It's how much God loves us amen and how he's going to accomplish the very things that need to be accomplished 
in these last days through the church. And He will use whoever's there, whoever avails themselves. And so we need to quit naming and, and tagging and, and all this and just let God be God and Amen. let Him determine who He wants to use these gifts through. Because there should not be one service that we come to and attend that there isn't some manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit. Yes. At least one or whatever. And the more we get involved in the worship of God, it's worship to Him. It's not about what we can get from Him, but it's worshiping who He is and what He is that we will see the operation of those gifts be more prevalent in these last days. Amen. The gift of faith. The gift of healing. The working of miracles, the gift of prophecy, discerning of spirits, tongues, the interpretation of tongues. All of these gifts have been abused by the church that God intended to have them manifested in. And so we, number one, we just need to realize, hey, the building is not the church. Amen. We're the church, and we've heard it time and time again. But in these last days, we need to realize this because the devil is doing everything. He's deceiving the church, the Christian church, and he's deceiving those that he can deceive. Why? Because we really haven't renewed our mind with the things of God, with the Scripture. And so we fall for lots of different stuff that we shouldn't fall for. Yes. And going to Ephesians 6. I want you to look at chap our, our Ephesians 6 verse 10. There is, we've heard this, we've even seen illustrations of it. But Paul is saying to the church at Ephesus, he's saying, finally... Be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. It's His power. It's not us. It's just as we avail ourselves to Him that He can use us and these things will be manifested in the services and wherever we are. Amen. And He said, I want you to know this. You have to put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the schemes of the devil. I have never in my life heard a more goofy, goofy lawmaker say this. We need to do away with policemen. We need to do away with jails. We need to do away with any kind of military. And you just sit there and you want to talk to your television. But you knew, you, do you really know what we need to be doing? That's when we, not, we just need to start speaking in tongues. And coming against, because we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. But it's that power that is behind it. It's yes. Satan. It's those, the enemy, the demonic forces that are out there. Put on the full armor of God. So that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And a man, when he finds a group of people that he can put schemes in their minds and vain imagination, man, he, he really thinks he's got us on the run. Yeah. But what is exciting is that as I read Scripture, I find out that the remnant 
church is the church that overcomes. Amen. And that's exciting. Take your stand against his schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. But let me tell you, it's hard. It is very hard to look at the mouths that this is coming out of and just, well, we won't even go there because I'd have to have an altar call just for me. But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world. And we go and we find earlier in Ephesians that through the manifold wisdom of the church, we overcome. Amen. We overcome. That, that's, that's God. That's Him at work in our lives. And we are the salt of the earth. Amen. Hallelujah. Against powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. <clears throat> Therefore, put on the full armor of God. So that when the day of evil comes, you may, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. Yes. And so we've seen people that could afford, you know, the Roman get up for the, for the army or for their soldiers or whatever. But I like John McMillan. He was one of the guys that taught Kenneth Hagin about spiritual warfare. He says that there's the girdle of truth. What is being challenged today? What is being challenged for a long time? Truth. Yeah. And I mean, it didn't start. We see that right before Jesus was crucified. You know, the, 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 one of the guys said, one of the leaders said, you know, what is truth? Well, that means that they didn't know. So there's the girdle of truth. And it represents a clear understanding of God's Word. In other words, we have to come, we have to read the Word, we have to allow the Holy Spirit to give us a revelation because our intellect will null and void everything that we read. So it's through the Spirit. Amen. And it represents a clear understanding of God's Word. Like a soldier's belt, it holds the rest of the armor in place. Amen. Truth. Truth. Secondly, the breastplate yeah, the breastplate of righteousness. This has a twofold application. Jesus is our righteousness, and we put him on first. And it also shows our obedience to the word of God. It's one thing to know the word, but it's another to do what the word tells us to do. And then thirdly, our feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. This is a faithful ministry proclaiming the word of God. Amen. That's why that we need to lift up our pastor and family and, and this church is because that we still have a lot to do before the church is raptured out of this place. Amen. Fourthly, the shield of faith. The shield is a covering for the entire body. This represents our complete safety under the blood of Christ where no power of the enemy can penetrate. Fifthly, the helmet of salvation. Yes. Referred to in 1 Thessalonians 5 eight as the hope of salvation. The hope of salvation is the only helmet able to 
to protect the head in these days of turning from the truth. And who can you believe now? The only one you can believe is the Lord Jesus Christ. And he will show you, he will give you that spiritual gift of discernment to know exactly that there's something inside of you just kind of, you know, causes your stomach to draw in or whatever. And you hear something that is, you know, it's, it sounds good and we'd like for it to be like that. But we are not going back to the good old days. Amen. There, it's not happening. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. This shows that the Word of God is to be used offensively. The other weapons are mainly defensive. But the sword, the Word of God, is an active weapon. Amen. The Word of God. Amen. We watch at the beginning of Jesus' ministry while he's out in the desert and 40 days and 40 nights. And what does he use? He uses the yes, Word of God. He doesn't argue with Satan. He don't try to wrestle him or anything like that. But he just uses the Word. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. And watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. What are we to do to occupy? We are to pray for our brothers and our sisters that what they have won't fail them in these last days because it's getting harder and harder. And so we've got to get closer and closer to God. Amen. It's because we don't have on the armor. We're ready for the prayer fight when we have the armor on. Yes. Praying in the Spirit gets the job done. Amen. So there's some things that need to happen, irregardless of your denomination, whatever. We need to be baptized in the Spirit. Because there are things that are being slipped in. The schemes of the devil is through the, the most intelligent, but yet the most stupid people who are in leadership. And I used to think it was just on one side. <laughs> it's not just on one side. I look and I go, oh, I'm tearing up my registration card. And y'all don't know which registration I am of. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, but God says, I want you. I want you to be full of the Spirit. I want you to pray for your friends, for, your, for the church, for your loved ones, for those that are out there that need salvation. And pray in the Spirit often. Amen. The shadow of a man is symbolic of who the man is. Amen. And in the shadow of Peter, in the shadow of David, and, and Moses, and all those that have gone before us, it was the presence of God Amen. in the shadow. The shadow of a man. And oh, by the way, there's been some hymns that have been written, not recently, but in the shadows you'll find Jesus. I don't know what Jesus you're looking for, but if he's there, there is no shadow. <laughs> There's where he is. He is light. Amen. Amen. Father, we, we just thank you, thank you for who you are. Thank you, 
We thank you for your love. We thank you for your mercy. Have your way in our lives. Oh, just, Lord, baptize us in the Holy Spirit. Refresh, renew those things that we have need of. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.